You're listening to The RN Mentor, a podcast designed to document and bring you the work and experience of some of the most influential nurses in our profession. We will be sitting down and having a discussion with the leaders of today's nursing world as they share their work, how they navigate their nursing path, and their views on the future of the profession. My name is Ali Tayeb. I am a registered nurse, United States Navy veteran, a Jonas Veterans Healthcare Scholar, and your host for The RN Mentor. Welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. I am excited to be joined today by Dr. Dina Hasune. Uh, Dr. Hasune is a professor at Oregon Health and Science School of Nursing. Her work focuses on inequities in access to and quality of healthcare and health professions education. Dr. Hasune highlights the importance of doing research with marginalized and vulnerable populations. Her dissertation focused on domestic violence in the American Muslim community and discussing the subject at the time was considered taboo. Dr. Hasune was one of the first researchers to break the silence on the topic and laid the groundwork for women in American Muslim communities to form committees to address domestic violence in their own communities. Dr. Hasune is a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing. Welcome to the show, Dr. Hasune. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's uh, uh, it's uh, my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, so we'll start with my regular question. How did you get started in the world of nursing? Well, uh, I actually, uh, it was uh, because I overheard a conversation while I was taking prerequisites. I wanted to be a social worker originally. Um, and I was taking uh, one of the prerequisites, uh, it was an economics class, and I overheard two social workers uh, talking uh, during the break about their pay. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't think I want to be a social worker. What's, you know, how can I uh, try to do, you know, similar work, but have a more reasonable, uh, you know, more living wage. And so that's kind of where that transition occurred but originally i i did want to go into social work wow fantastic um so it's it's interesting that uh so many of the individuals i speak to um not everybody but a lot of people who have actually you know have have gone on and are doing like great work in the world of nursing um and sort of the influencers of nursing did not intend to go into nursing including myself i was going to be a uh, a PA, and then I realized that it was it went into a master's program at the time, and I was like, "There's no way I'm getting my master's." So I, I'm like, "What else can I do?" Uh, that's still around in the same realm. Mm-hmm. Um, so your influence, any kind of like family influence on that, or was it purely uh, uh, the fact that we like I may not be able to make a living being a social worker? Uh, you mean why I decided not to be a social worker? Yeah, yeah. No, it was that was the that was the you know I I uh, felt that I needed to be able to support myself financially, uh, and uh, so that was that was a you know the main reason why I did switch. Yeah. Um, so you, um, how was your experience in nursing school? Since you had it wasn't really on your. Uh, 
it was sort of like you were able to do some of the work that I mean, social work is, I, I think, is kind of incorporated some of the into the into nursing. But how was your experience going into nursing? Because I think it's a different mindset being a social work, worker versus going into nursing where you're dealing with way more uh, with body parts and body fluids and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Well, uh, so I think my experience has been different depending on the various uh, programs that I graduated from. So, but if you were talking about my undergraduate program, yeah, uh, I uh, graduated from the University of Washington. And the University of Washington, I, it might still be, but at that time, it was the number one school in the country for nursing, which uh, we heard about a lot as students. And I felt that was uh, not helpful. Uh, I, uh, you're right. There is a, it's a, it's a different type of uh, focus, a different type of um, cultural environment in nursing. I would say compared to other uh, areas, and um, I had a difficult time with that. Actually, I um, ended up doing a, a, a dual degree and getting a degree in women's studies, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And um, uh, really helped me keep going. Wow. Um, now, um, it's interesting that, that you mentioned that because there are, you know, uh, including myself, even though I've, I had a healthcare background before I went into nursing, uh, I had a difficulty transitioning into the culture of nursing because it has its own, um, it has its own, you know, uh, unique uh, attributes that come, I was coming from the from a military background, which is a primarily all a large male population working with men pretty much my entire career to an all female uh, occupation or profession, I should say, uh, which is which is very, very interesting that you mentioned that because yeah, I also had that had that experience. Now you mentioned um, uh, your women's health is it was a women's health studies? women's studies. Um, so women's studies. Now, uh, how much of that influenced uh, you in moving to a higher level of degree and doing some of the work that you're doing now? Uh, I don't know that it influenced my decision to pursue graduate education, uh, but I think it did inform the work that I've done um, over the course of my career. I found that uh, at least when I was an undergraduate anyway, that the uh, exposure to uh, uh, theoretical perspectives and scholarly literature in nursing was extremely limited in terms of its scope uh, and depth um, relative to uh, you know, the human sciences and um, how systems of oppression shape people's lives uh, and in particular women's lives. So. I uh, drew, a, you know, uh, I learned a, a, a lot in that women's studies program and I, it kind of uh, 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 started me on a path of becoming really interested in learning more about uh, theory and research that um, draws on those more critical perspectives. Wow. Um, now, as you mentioned, so for your graduate, so if this was not the, uh, it, it helped with, with, the, with the kind of work that you did down the line, uh, what made you decide uh, to actually pursue graduate education? Because it's not on everybody's like to-do list. It was definitely not on my to-do list. Things, life uh, 
happened and I decided that I was going to move on to graduate school. So what was the decision for you to pursue a graduate degree? Well, you know, I, uh, I actually uh, had a plan to get a PhD uh, before I ever entered my BSN program. Wow. And uh, there were a few different reasons for that. Um, one of them that it was that I felt that it was, I had uh, strengths that would uh, work well in an academic environment. I always enjoyed school. I always enjoyed learning. And, and I, and I uh, uh, believe that research would allow me to explore new and different topics where I would be able to continue learning. Uh, there are other reasons as well, which were more personal reasons. Um, and, and some of it had to do with, uh, you know, just proving that I could be somebody, I think. Uh, were any of those influences like through uh, family or mentors, uh, anything yes, like that? Yes, family, yes. So you moved into your graduate program. Uh, what, what did you end up studying once you went into uh, your graduate program? Well, uh, I, uh, I actually studied a few different things. So when I uh, finished my BSN, at that time, you had to have a minimum of one year of clinical experience before you could enter a graduate program, which obviously that's no longer the case. But at that time, it was a, it was a requirement. So I uh, applied and um, to a, a master's of science uh, in nursing focused on community health. And I was admitted after a, a one year of clinical practice and I finished that program. But I decided that I wanted uh, to expand my skills. And so I, uh, I ended up doing a post-master's um, to gain certification as an adult uh, nurse practitioner. Uh, and it was uh, after finishing that that I went into uh, my PhD program. Uh, and I actually uh, became interested in um, psychiatric nursing, which is kind of, I guess, harkens back to my earlier interest in uh, social work and um, enrolled in another post-master's uh, program after several years after completing my PhD uh, and, and uh, gained uh, certification as a, a, a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. Wow. Um, you're a degree collector. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say that. <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. Um, but it's interesting, actually, I had, you know, um, for myself, like, I, I, I was doing some work that led itself towards uh, public health. And I started thinking about, should I get a master's in public health? And uh, my wife was kind enough to t talk me out of that. <laughs> so like, see if there's any kind of work you could do instead of getting another degree. But yeah, I'm, I'm sort of the same way. I find an interest and all of a sudden my brain goes towards, should I get a degree in this? Um, so that's fantastic. Um, now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your uh, PhD work. Uh, what made you decide, because this is sort of a, um, not necessarily the topic, but how people choose the work that they do in their PhD programs. Uh, when I went into my PhD program, I wasn't thinking I did my work around uh, veterans topics, um, but I didn't go into my PhD program thinking I'm going to be doing that. Uh, some of the experiences in the, my first couple of months of being in the PhD program, you know, kind of made me made, take a, like a left-hand turn into the topic I ended up uh, pretty much building my portfolio around. 
Um, what made you decide this was the topic? Because it's not one of those topics that people just say, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. um, how did you um, decide <laughs> your, that this is going to be the topic you're going to study? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I actually, most of my, uh, my, most of my teaching over the course of my career has been in, uh, in a PhD program. So I don't think your experience of, you know, not uh, having a, a, a necessarily completely nailed down topic when you enter is that unusual. I think that's fairly common, actually. But for me, I actually um, was interested in this topic when I was a master's student. At that time, we, uh, because it was a master's of science, we needed to write a thesis. Mm. And uh, so uh, I did that, and it was focused on uh, this, the topic of domestic violence in the American Muslim community. I was very fortunate to have a faculty member when I was a master's student who said, you know, you should turn this into an F31 application, which is, uh, for those people who don't know, a uh, an individual uh, fellowship that pay, helps you pay for your PhD education uh, funded by, this one was funded by the National Institute of Nursing Research. And so I, I wrote that application as a master's student. Uh, at the time that I was uh, in the, you know, in the master's program, I, I didn't realize that our PhD program, we had T, two T32s at that time, which are, were our institutional grants that uh, pay similar benefits for people who are in doctoral programs, but I didn't know about them. Nobody told me about them. So I, um, I uh, believed that if I didn't get this individual fellowship that I wouldn't be able to get a PhD because I had already borrowed so much money, all these other degrees. <laughs> <laughs> um, that I didn't think that I could borrow any more money and, and actually be able to pay it all back. So um, I was very fortunate that I actually did get awarded that fellowship and it the news came through um, in September of the year that I was supposed to enter the program. Wow, that's amazing. Well, congratulations on that. <clears throat> um, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, get, a, uh, get a HRSA grant uh, that paid a nice chunk of it off. Um, so I still have a little bit left, unfortunately, but mm. this much less than what I borrowed. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, yeah, it's always, it's always great. Uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned the cost of higher education and it just triggered something for me right now. Um, how do you think you, you are in a higher education? How do you think the cost of higher education influences the talent that comes into nursing or how much of a barrier i should say it is uh, when people don't know about the availability of different programs to pay off uh, in your opinion what's what has been your ex well yeah, we know about it, your personal experience but how do you think how much of it do you think it plays a role you know i think it's highly significant because uh some people you know, uh, may not, they may not feel comfortable borrowing that much money. Uh, um, some people uh, may have family commitments uh, if, they, if they come from socioeconomically uh, disadvantaged backgrounds and may have family commitments or they need to help uh, support family. And that can, the cost can, see, can seem very daunting. And then, you know, also based on my experience, uh, working in, in, as a faculty member in a PhD program for more than 20 years, 
it's uh, very common to expect students to work only part-time, if at all. People who work are, it's, you know, it's, they don't kick you out for doing it, <laughs> but it's, I think it's frowned upon in general. Uh, it's sometimes I think seen as reflecting a lack of commitment on the part of the student. And I think that that's a really uh, problematic because then what uh, uh, you might end up with is you might end up uh, attracting uh, people who, from more middle-class and upper-middle-class backgrounds, which is uh, really, uh, you know, already most of probably what we already have. So uh, at the same time that nurses practice with a very diverse population, including many people who do not come from middle-class and upper-middle-class backgrounds. And so I think having people who come from those backgrounds is invaluable in being able to connect and understand with patients who have had some, who are having or have had similar experiences. Yeah, I 100% I agree with that. And that was that was uh, sort of what what uh, I was hoping you 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 were going to allude to is the fact that we are uh, we are missing the diversity uh, in researchers um, uh, because that personal experience and that personal. Uh, knowledge that they bring to the game is on a whole different level right uh, it's actually one of my one of the reasons i have an issue with cultural with the word cultural competency because i i, I always tell people there's no way i'm going to be culturally competent in somebody's somebody else's lived experience mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um so um so i think so i think it's it's uh, in part i want to um i want to share or, or ask you uh, what do you think nursing can do uh, in order to increase that pool of diverse individuals in research? Uh, what else can we do? Because money is definitely a barrier. When the twenty, when the future of nursing report came out in twenty ten, and they said let's double the number of doctoral prepared PhDs and DMPs, the PhDs stayed rather flat, while mm -hmm. the DMPs significantly grew. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I don't think we really achieved from a researcher perspective. I don't think we achieved what we needed to because again, the money is a huge issue getting people into graduate programs and PhD programs. So what do you think nursing can do uh, better uh, than what we've done in the past? Well, one of the things that I've seen happen uh, that you know didn't really you know wasn't, at least I didn't, wasn't aware of it at the time that I was a doctoral student, was that it, it, it's number of uh, schools will have uh, what they call scholarships and, and stipends based on the NIH uh, schedule. Now, it might be that there, you know, there's a proliferation of PhD programs, so there's probably a limited number that actually have this financial support, but it is, there are some schools that have that. It's usually based on my experience, not sufficient and uh, not, there aren't usually enough slots. Uh, so I think it's it's better than nothing, but uh, it's, it's, it's really woefully inadequate. Uh, one of the things that I think that we could, cons could consider doing is prioritizing health equity and health justice for people who do apply uh, for those slots, those uh, with where the financial support is is uh, available. And I also, I mean, I really, you know, I, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real critic. So I think that we need, 
we need a real restructuring of what our priorities are. Uh, and, uh, in, and that means a real investment in uh, a, a financial investment in changing how uh, the culture of our programs, the qualifications and knowledge of our faculty members, uh, because of course that's very significant for the student experience. And, uh, and you know, as well as uh, forging uh, connections with communities to um, help uh, you know, create bridges for people to enter. So I think we're really, uh, my, in my experience, there has often been an attitude, well, you know, and actually this is a direct quote, I once heard somebody say this, well, a PhD is a privilege, not a right. Uh, which is, you know, it, it is, that is actually true. But uh, at the same time, uh, there, it does seem to be more of a right for some people rather, rather than other people. So um, that's something that we really, uh, we need to, uh, if we want, if we really want a diverse uh, array of scholars, we need to support them and we need to put our money where our mouth is, uh, as well as policies. You know, I think that we need policies with teeth. We have policies for diversity, equity, inclusion, but uh, what I've seen is very often it's lip service and there's really, you can have people who are subjected to the most uh, uh, stressful uh, types of uh, discrimination without any uh, ability to, to um, find relief. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I think uh, one of the reasons that I, um, that this season of the podcast, I really want to talk about the EDI components <clears throat> um, is everybody in nursing has seemed to has, you know, rightfully jumped on the bandwagon that this is the work that we need to focus on. And that's uh, to be uh, to be commended. Uh, but where are the policies that are really making change? And as you mentioned, policies with teeth, right? Uh, where are those uh, other than, uh, you know, I'm uh, now having said that um, your work around um, um, inequities in access and quality of healthcare, um, how has that, uh, how, well, first of all, if you can share with us, uh, how has that integrated into the work, into your daily life of as an, uh, as somebody in academia and, and as a researcher? My uh, daily work life, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I would say that that is um, a perspective that is a, a, that is part of who I am. The and so it's always it's always present, uh, and it influences how I perceive other people's work, <laughs> as well as my own. It influences the students that I choose to work with and who choose to work with me. Uh, it uh, it influences. Um, I think it's it, it's influenced my journey because I think depending on whatever the environment you in, it may make your journey more challenging. And I I personally believe that has been the case uh, for me because it's um, you know it sometimes is you you're kind of going against the grain when you are. Uh, someone who uh, brings a perspective that is uh, can make people uncomfortable and really kind of expect, you know, is saying we need change here that when people are used to doing things a certain way. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I appreciate that perspective. Uh, I really do. Um, now, 
has there and and this is as you're sharing this with me has there ever been um a moment in your career where your perspective has not been received well by the nursing community because i know in nursing like i said uh we have it has its own history good and bad uh and i know people as you mentioned who are sometimes against the grain or swimming upstream um are 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 sometimes met with these uh, um, challenges, right? Uh, that are because of this is because of the history of nursing and who sits at the table at nursing. So, have you ever had an? Ex you don't have to name any names, <laughs> but has that? Have you ever ran into those uh, issues in your in your career? And how did you manage to uh, go around or go through those obstacles? Well, you know, I think that it's a uh, constant, uh, it con it's constant. And so one of the things that I've, I've noticed and that I've experienced is that there are many students who are from marginalized backgrounds that uh, are interested in health equity and justice topics and uh, tend to uh, tend to have a disproportionate number of them that I work with in the program. Uh, and so, uh, I very often will end up bringing up issues relevant to, to this student group, and I probably would anyway. So, but it, it, it's not, there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of resistance. And uh, unfortunately, what I, what I see in a PhD program context is a lot of emphasis on NIH funding, a lot of emphasis on R01s specifically, the big grants. Uh, and uh, not so much emphasis on uh, this um, issue of equity and justice. Equity and justice, yes, if you can get an R01. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, uh, you know, look at the funding priorities, which, uh, you know, up until up a whole, to a couple years ago, maybe weren't necessarily focused on health equity at all. Um, and uh, and and so I think that that sends a message. I've also un unfortunately had students who experience discrimination. I've had to try and advocate and, and work with those students, and it's been actually quite difficult emotionally. Yeah, um, yeah, I I, I I agree with uh, with everything you're saying. Uh, but I, I've actually, you know, uh, having um, been in academia now for um, going on six years now. Uh, I've definitely noticed uh, the tiering of schools and how they hire. Uh, and the hiring process really is around, unfortunately, uh, the people with those large NIH grants or um, people who can afford to be in a postdoc, uh -huh. <laughs> I should say, uh, tend to get, tend to get uh, the, uh, the schools with the, with the most resources, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think that's definitely something that, that is also prohibitive of, uh, us getting more diversity, uh, in faculty and mentors in those institutions. I think that's a big issue, uh, that I think nursing needs to address at some point and say, what is, if this work is really important and we need to fund this work, work and hire the people that are going to be. Uh, in those roles, because, for example, myself being being a prime example of I didn't have not that I couldn't go to a postdoc is that I was the primary breadwinner of the house, 
I can't afford to go to a postdoc where my pay is going to be so much lower that I can't even pay my mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. um, so can't pick up the wife and kids and just move to another state. So there's all these barriers mm -hmm. that are that that really um, the programs are set up for a very specific group of individuals. And I don't mm -hmm. think uh, we're 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 providing enough opportunities as a profession uh, for 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 that diversity to kind of take place. So very true, very true. Um, anything you want to share? You, I, I know we've talked about uh, your work that focuses on um, health uh, equity and justice. What can nursing do better in this arena overall um, that you don't think we we've had a, the opportunity to really address as a profession? Well, we need accountability in, you know, in our leadership. And I think that's really fairly absent is from what I can see. Uh, there's um, a lot of emphasis on budget. And in my opinion, not enough emphasis on what we've been talking about, um, health equity and justice. You can go out and talk about health equity, but what are you doing to actually uh, promote health equity? And as you say, a more diverse uh, uh, faculty and more diverse graduates. So uh, I, those are some of those things are measurable, and I, and I think that you know just as an example at my own institution, which frankly I disagree with this, but uh, executives get large bonuses uh, for coming in under budget, mm -hmm. and um, I think just uh, part of their role. It's very you know, it's problematic in my opinion, but it, it exists. So, uh, you know, why not, if you're going to have that kind of system, why not, uh, you know, tie those to these measures of equity instead of only focusing on the budget? Uh, I, I suspect that if people had, you know, thousands and thousands, and depending on who your job at the university, sometimes millions, uh, of dollars coming in for a bo annual bonus that you might be highly motivated <laughs> to actually show more significant progress than without any actual, uh, 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 you know, no, uh, no ascertainable uh, concrete outcome that will have an effect on the leadership um, for uh, not making progress that, that we need to make. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's the same. It's not just academia. The service side is the same uh, exactly. Having been in the administrative side of service, uh, uh, you know, the, the budget, uh, you know, sometimes you have to question what's running the show, patient outcomes or the budget. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and yeah, so I, yeah, those bonuses are definitely, um, the, the things that they tie them to aren't necessarily what is best uh, for 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 what you're looking for your outcomes to be, um, so I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, uh, so uh, we're we're almost out of time. Uh, anything else you want to share about your work, or 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 anything you would like to uh, leave us with? Well, I think that I would just hope that uh, people who are listening, uh, you know, recognize that um, though you know there are challenges. And uh, there are difficulties. We definitely need nurses who are uh, have, have critical perspectives, who uh, recognize the importance of justice and health, uh, and are willing to kind of carry carry that torch, uh, you know, uh, in into the future. 
it's extremely important. And I hope that there are people who have those interests, who have those values, frankly, um, that are willing to to think about uh, having having an impact because, uh, you know, after having done it myself, you know, at least attempted to anyway, I mean, not really, I'm not sure if I actually, how much I achieved, but I certainly put in effort. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting kind of worn out. <laughs> <laughs> so we need some uh, new people to come in and 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 and, uh, and and continue that work. I appreciate that. Um, you triggered one more question in my head, and I'm going to ask this: If I was listening to this podcast as a, as a, uh, a as a new nurse or someone who hasn't been uh, involved with the work of health equity or justice, what would you recommend a first step for me be? Uh, learn. Learn about uh, systems of oppression. Learn, learn about health equity. Open your eyes. It, it can be painful because it's not pretty, right? But you have to know. You have to understand that there's nuance, there's complexity, and there's overwhelming, overwhelming evidence everywhere uh, of the problem. And so, learning about this and recognizing and being willing to grapple with it is the first step. Great. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Uh, we have been listening to Dr. Dina Hasune. Uh, she is a professor at the Oregon Health and Science School of Nursing. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host, Ali Tayeb. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayeb.com. That's www.aliartayeb.com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair winds and following seas.